Hello and welcome. My name is Brent Weaver and this is the Digital Agency Show. The podcast that goes behind the scenes with today's top agencies and entrepreneurs. I am really glad you're here. And once again, it's time to transform your business mindset. Hey, what's up, agency owner? If you're new here, I've got a free ebook on how to scale your business to multiple six and even seven figures by overcoming your dependency on referrals, doubling your profit per project, and removing yourself as the main bottleneck in your business. All you have to do is DM me the word gift on Facebook at Brent Weaver. That's facebook.com slash Brent Weaver. And I'll send you your guide on how to achieve freedom in business and life. All right, let's get back to the podcast. Hey, what's up, podcast listeners, digital agency owners. Welcome to another episode of the Digital Agency Show. I'm your host, Brent Weaver. And today we're hanging out with Phil Gerbyshack. He is kind of into sales. He's a sales speaker, a sales executive, a sales mentor, a sales podcaster, a sales coach. He's written five books on sales, more than 3,000 articles. That's a three with three zeros on the end of it. He's been quoted in the Wall Street Journal, Financial Times, and many similar publications. He was recognized as one of 25 sales leaders to follow by Crunchbase. When he's not in the field selling for process and results clients, he spends his time with his family in Claremont, Florida, Phil, welcome to the program. Hey, Brent. It's great to be here, man. Thanks for having me on. You know, I uh, I just published a book called Get Rich in the Deep End. And I feel like you're in the deep end of sales. You've jumped in. Uh, you're unapologetically all about sales. And I think that is absolutely beautiful. So I'm really excited to be talking to you about this. But what uh, what first brought you into sales? What attracted you to that field? And inspired you to dedicate your life to it, essentially, your life, life's work? Well, I got into it kind of accidentally. I was working in uh, IT tech support. I was helping people clear their browser cache and delete their history back when uh, nobody knew how to do that stuff. And suddenly, we had this new sales opportunity where I could make 10% more and just have to talk to people, except instead of just helping them clear their cache, I actually had to make them an offer. So I sold DSL, Digital Subscriber Line, uh, for uh, exec PC, long, long, long time ago, back when 56k was big and DSL was not one, not two, but five or six times as fast as dial-up internet, and it was really exciting. It was really fun, and I really enjoyed it. And then I realized, you know, I'm pretty good at this. Maybe I should sell something else. So I got a job as a stockbroker uh, at Strong Investments, really early on, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, and options uh, until 9/11 happened. And that was the really start of my sales career. I feel like I've been on the phone with somebody at uh, you know an internet service provider, and I'm doing tech support. And at the end of the call, they they make me a pitch. So when you say you were helping them clear their cash and trying to upsell them on DSL lines, I mean that's literally what not, you're talking no, about. No, there? not no, no, no. They were two separate roles, okay. right? We did yeah. not uh, we did not upsell at all. No, truly, it was tech support. Now nowadays, right, it is too, but at the time it was very discreet. I mean. Because sometimes you had to be really technical. I mean, you had to dial in the modem. You had to put it in knit strings. You had to do things to make it quiet because, right, the old the old 56K, that, uh, that oh, was yeah. really loud. That would wake up the whole family. So you had to do, uh, I want to say it was ampersand seven zero, but I can't remember. There was an init string that would actually make your modem silent. So Saturday morning, dad could surf for porn without making, waking mom up. It was good times. 
<laughs> that's uh, yeah. I'm, I'm sure there were those tech support calls. I'm I'm sure. Yeah. Well, that's why we had to help them clear the right. That's why we had to help them clear the cache and, <laughs> and delete their history because if it showed up in the last ten results, so we would teach people, hey, you have to type ten new websites, and at the time, most people didn't know ten websites, so they'd call up for suggestions. Things like WhiteHouse.com would get you in trouble as opposed to WhiteHouse.gov, which is the official White House website. Yeah, yeah. So so you started selling some early uh, early internet products like DSL, stocks, et cetera, and that just kind of grabbed you and made you think, hey, this is something that I want to do for, for a while. Yeah, for, well, for a while, but I, I, didn't, I, I felt I was pretty good at it. But I also felt when 9-11 happened, I felt really called back in attack. So I actually jumped out of sales for a while. I, I didn't think I was in sales. I actually was ended up be, becoming a VP of IT and getting involved in social media before it was even called social media. So it was a lot of fun. I got involved in that. I met uh, who we talked about in the green screen, green room there, talked about Drew McClellan, met him on Twitter, met him in a conference and realized that I'm a marketer and a sales guy and that technology just amplifies it. It was never tech for tech's sake. But I had to absolutely sell myself and my team's services to the whole organization because at the time, we're talking about outsourcing a lot of the technical work to another country because that was the rage then. So I had to resell our vision to the organization in order to stay alive. And it was really hard work because a lot of people didn't believe that there was any difference uh, in that work. So we had to really sell value first and really add value before we add volume to people's work. So one thing with agency owners and web professionals that I hear a lot, Phil, is that, you know, some people say they don't like sales, but maybe they're coming from more of a technical background, which you can probably relate with. And maybe sales doesn't come naturally. And when they start learning about sales, they're worried that they're going to come across as salesy or or things like that. So, you know, I, I I personally went through a lot of transformation when I started learning how to to really pitch my value. So, whether somebody likes sales or not, what are some of the key things that they should, whether they like sales or not, that they should really learn that's going to help them. Regardless, and you just mentioned, you know, we that kind of help people understand the value, right? So that might be an example of something. But what are some of the other things that people should be thinking about in terms of sales if they're not really into this as, as you or I might be? Sure. So the first thing I remind folks is that to sell is to serve. So every time you feel squeamish about, oh, I don't want to be a salesperson, I want you to really think, is your service of value? And if it is, don't you deserve and don't your customers and prospects deserve to hear about it. Isn't it of service? Aren't you someone of service? So if you believe those things, and then you believe to sell is to serve, every time I talk about a salesman, replace the word with service, with service person, right? And I provide a service to people, and I'm just offering them and making an ask for that. And I'm trying to ask questions for that. I'm not trying to push anything you don't need on you. In fact, I would tell you, the best salespeople are willing to walk away from sales that don't fit. So know that, know that you have value, know that to sell is to serve and know that it's okay to say, you know what, this isn't really a great fit. You know what, I don't think we can help you, but you know who can, you know who can, and then introduce them to somebody who can. Mention 
somebody who can. Because I'll tell you what, the days of the old used car salesman, I mean, the first salesperson that I remember ever seeing was Kurt Russell in the movie Used Cars. Well, I think about that. And then I think about all the sales professionals that I know. And you notice I use the word professional. Sales professionals, people that do sales for a living, they're not Kurt Russell and used cars. They're not trying to lie to people. They're not trying to persuade them to buy anything that they don't actually need. Now, certainly as a salesperson, and I believe we're all salespeople, you have to ask questions and insert things that you've seen. So again, if we're not big on sales, have you done your homework? Have you actually prepped for that call so that you know what their needs might be? And also, if this isn't the first person like the person that you're talking to that you've ever had a conversation with, now you've got some history. Hey, you know what? I've been personally, right? I've been podcasting since 2006, on and off. You know what? If I'm going to sell somebody on how to do a podcast, I've got 14 years of experience at that. And I've talked to literally a thousand business owners about podcasts. Now, have they all bought? Heck no. But here are some of the things that they've said to me. And then I share those things, right? So if I were selling you on that, that's what I would say. And I would tell you, you have to be willing to do that hard work. It's really hard work. Prepare, then have those conversations, practice those conversations and step up to the plate, swing really hard, actually make the call and then get better, improve, perfect that. And then lastly, of course, you have to think about, okay, well, was I of service? Did I do the best thing I could? And I don't care if you like sales or not. If you don't like to help people, well, you've got a problem, but most of us do. We're in an agency. We started the agency to help people, to solve problems. Well, to sell is to serve help people solve problems. You can do this. Hey, agency owners, are you currently building, managing, or optimizing WordPress websites and struggling to keep up or becoming the bottleneck? I'm excited to announce Unlimited WP, a white-label team that can help you do more with less. Whether you're building a WordPress website, doing updates, or maintenance and backups, you can assign all those tasks and more to Unlimited WP so you can free your time, make more money, and focus on what's most important. Get 25% off your first month by using the code DAS2020 at unlimitedwp.com to start today. Now let's get back to our interview. Phil, you mentioned that the best salespeople are willing to walk away. And I find that people, depending on where their agency is at, and also depending on kind of what season it is for them, whether it's uh, something where they have a lot of bandwidth or they, you know, they've, they've got a lot of uh, their team who maybe has a lot of capacity. Sometimes it's really difficult to walk away. Uh, somebody recently on our show said it's, you know, they, they try not to chase bad money. And I think we all kind of know what that is in terms of projects that maybe end up becoming nightmares for us or pain in the, you know, what clients and, and things like that. But it's, I think it is hard. I mean, there's like the, you know, when you're early on, you're young and hungry, you know, young in your business, whether you're young in age or not, but you're, you're trying to make a name for yourself. Sometimes it's hard to walk away. How do you recommend that people look for fit and qualify whether somebody is a good fit or not? Because I mean, there are, you know, clear red flags. I think I've been talking with 
people before you, you kind of get the, that feeling in your stomach where you're like, this is bad, but I'm going to do it anyways. Um, but I, and maybe it's because you need the business, right? But I think if you are, you know, truly trying to help the client that may or may not even be in their best interest, but uh, any, any advice for how people can qualify and look for fit in those early conversations without wasting a huge amount of time? Sure. So first, what is your ideal customer? Like what's their business size? What's their revenue size? What do they do? What do they solve for? And why do you enjoy working with them? Now, if I think about us, right, we're serving the technical agency often. We're helping them sell. We've got a founder who is someone who does not love to sell natively. In fact, they're probably an operator. And they're in that two to 20 person uh, employee space. And they make between 200000 about $5 million. That's pretty locked in. I've got locked into that. What problems do we solve? Well, again, we are processing results and we solve that problem where you don't have a sales process. We, you want more sales results. Okay, great. We help with that. Well, that's really clear. So if somebody comes to me and says, you know what, Phil, we'd love for you to build a website. Nope, nope, not us. Really clear that that's not us. I'm going to say, you know what, who I should connect you with for your business would be Mark Ensign at Loudmouse. He's great at building websites. He and his team, they do a great job of branding, building a website. That's who I'm going to talk to. Now, by having those qualifications, we know who is and is not. But I'm going to share one other thing because I totally get being hungry. It's okay to say yes, but then it's not okay to complain about it. It's not okay to not serve that client. Once you take their money, you have to be cheerful about it. Once that check clears, guess what, man? The answer is yes. We do that work. And I don't care what the customer says, what they ask for. You need to be cheerful in it. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't refund the money. And it doesn't mean that you have to renew the contract. But for the period of time that you took the cash, you have to say, I'm going to do absolutely everything I can to make this successful. And that might actually cost me money. And I'll tell you what, you make a couple of those mistakes, and I've made them, make a couple of those mistakes, you start understanding that it's easier to say no than it is to throw more bad money at a bad sale. I love that mindset, Phil, about once you take the money, you you can't complain about it because it is really easy to say yes to something and then feel like all of a sudden you have this, you know, nagging boss of a client. It's like, oh man, I gotta, they're so hard to deal with or whatever. And, and you probably knew on the front end. And if you didn't know, maybe it was a uh, an issue of short circuiting the process. Uh, one of the things that we teach within our community is, is, you know, how to go in and do really good uh, sales discovery. And when we were running our agency, you know, and even today, right, people will email me and say, hey, how much is it to sign up for your program or whatever? And, and we always, you know, our process is we have a call, right? We have a fit call. Um, we have a strategy call. And when we're running our agency, we would have discovery meetings and you'd get that client who, you know, kind of, uh, they, they, they say, uh, they, they, they sing a good game, right? They sing a good song with, oh, you know what? We don't need to do discovery. We just need this real quick website done by Friday. And I promise you, it's going to be the easiest thing you ever did. It's going to be simple, fast, et cetera, right? They'll, they'll load it with all sorts of questions. And then you, you, you shortcut the process. And of course it ends up becoming, you know, the, the most complex project in the world and it's challenging and they didn't disclose tons of stuff to you and they would have benefited greatly from discovery. Uh, so let's talk about sales process as well a little bit that, you know, I'm a big believer in having a process. And if your client or prospect is not willing to 
adhere to that process, that's probably a red flag. How do you think about a sales process from initial inquiry to, hey, we just got that check? Sure. So moving from cold lead to cold cash is really important. And you do have to have a process. Any process will work. I'm going to be clear. If you have a process, you don't need mine. But if you don't have a process, I want you to consider first on the cold side, right? We have to know how do we intake that lead? What do we do with that? Where does it go? How does it come in? So does it come in from our website? Does it come in from social? Does it come in as a result of an advertisement that we made? Does it, how does it come in, right? So we have to identify that because that helps frame up our conversation. Much like in the old days where we say, well, how'd you hear about me? Well, now we know, right? It's typically digital attribution. So we attribute that lead. We understand because that helps frame the conversation. Then after we do that, now we need to do some uncovering, right? That's the discovery piece of that. We have to understand so what's the need? What problems are we solving for? Why would you, why would you even consider working with me? Why, why us, right? Now, it could be something simple like, hey, you know what? Someone that, I, that uh, you know, my, my prospect trusts, they made a referral and they thought there might be a fit. Okay, well, great. Ne- then uh, we have to share more, right? Then we have to get more into that because then I have to understand, so why would I want to work with you, right? So you have to want to work with me. I have to want to work with you. We have that. That's kind of that uncovering discovery, whatever you want to call it. And then it's qualification, right? Qualification. Is there a need? Is there time right now? Why is now a good time for that? And then what else is at play, both in the business as well as in the client's and the prospect's personal life? What else is at play? Because here's the thing. Everybody needs a new website. I don't care if you got a website built yesterday, right? Everybody needs a new website. But why now? Well, why now? might be because you're leaking leads. It could be because you're not getting any leads. It could be because, you know what, now we've got some downtime. I don't care. There's got to be a compelling reason because otherwise it's just nice to have. And then we don't really timeline. Then it's like, you know, I, I, I always, when I, when I teach sales, I talk about the, the dental office. This is an easy one, right? So we, we get a, a cleaning every six months and I can push that out a week, a month, you know, no big deal. But if I had an abscess tooth, and my mouth was on fire, I would call the dentist and try to get in this afternoon. Well, if it's not on fire, when's it going to close? Like I have to reverse timeline that. So that's really the next step. Once I have that compelling need, great. So it sounds to me like by 30 November, we need to have this in place for you. And here's why. So we've got that reverse timeline. And then I ask the question, so what happens if we don't do it? What happens if this doesn't happen? And, and some businesses, no big deal. That's okay, right? That's fine. But just know they're probably going to ghost you then at some point. Doesn't mean they're not going to be a, that they're going to be a bad client or a hard client, or a difficult client. It does mean though that there's there's a possibility they could ghost you. And then from there, you make sure everything's buttoned up. You've got your kind of your proposal together. You know what that is, and you ask them. So can we review this together to make sure we didn't screw anything up? Before you send the final proposal, make the conversation happen and go through it together, not line by line, but certainly big picture. What's not clear? And then ask for the sale and asking for the sale is, so does it make sense to move forward? Or what do you see the next step is? Or, hey, it sounds like we covered this. This is your compelling reason why. This is what, you know, what's at stake if we don't do this. Is there anything else? And if there's not, Great. I'm going to send you the proposal. You sign the proposal. And then tomorrow, I'm going to send you the invoice. You can pay the invoice and we'll get started. And last step, though, 
once we deliver the work, and that's kind of that in-between, right, from the time they sign the contract and pay us to the time the work is actually delivered, in between there, we do that work, we should be earning the right to a referral. We should be earning the right to a referral by being easy to work with, by not making stupid mistakes with them, and by letting them know, hey, you know what? As we deliver good work to you, we're probably going to ask you for a referral. Are there other agencies like you that could benefit from working with us? Are you in any mastermind groups? Are you in any agent and any uh, associations, any agency groups, anything like that of people like you that maybe you could make an introduction to that I could have a conversation with? Because my goal, right, to go from cold lead to cold cash is that I want to move them also from prospect to partner, not just a profit. I want to go beyond profit. I want to go to partner. I want, I want to have such, so you to have such a great conversation with us, such a great relationship with us that you're a partner and you're actively trying to help us get business because we're trying to help you get business. I want to grow your business, which means, you know, reciprocally, you want to grow mine. So that's my process. Hey, what's up, agency owners? As someone that's built hundreds of websites for clients over the last 20 years, I know how important it is to have a content management system that helps me launch sites fast so I can focus on getting my clients' results and building a successful and profitable agency. If you're looking for a new CMS, I'd like to introduce you to a new platform called Zephyr, a content management system built for power users and agencies. Build websites faster, make clients happier. Find out more info at ZephyrCMS.com and get one free site for life and a free theme setup valued at $500. That's ZephyrCMS.com. Now let's get back to our interview. Phil, I love a few things. I mean, first, I like the idea of, you know, if you have a process already, you may or may not need to even implement or improve on that. And that's actually one of the things that we always look at when people come in. Like, we do have processes that we teach, but it's, you know, getting some brass tacks from people. Like, how many, you know, sales appointments are you doing? How many of those are turning into clients, right? And people will be like, oh, yeah, I, I turn like 90% of the people I talk to into clients. Like, great, let's not blow that up. Right. Unless there's some, <laughs> some kind of problem, right? Unless you're not getting something out of that process, like you're not getting enough value or something like that. An area that you didn't really talk much about, you, you mentioned on uh, what happens if this doesn't happen? Um, what else is at play? Why now? So getting some compelling reasons to move forward. But what about the part of actually figuring out what a client or prospect needs, which in the digital space I mean, that could be anywhere from a half an hour meeting and, you know, one of my clients who does larger projects, six-figure type of work, I think one of her uh, projects she won, I think, came in at like 24 meetings. And some of those meetings had up to six stakeholders on them. I mean, very long process to, to go in and figure out those uh, that, that needs assessment. So I know there's a lot of variability in what happens in that part of sales. But for a lot of our listeners, they are having to do some kind of multi-meeting discovery. Do you have any kind of uh, simple you know, questions, quite line of questioning to help suss out what clients are really looking for and how to find the value in your sales process? Well, a lot of that is on, on uncovering the problems. Why did you call me today, right? Why are we meeting today? What's the purpose of this? What made you say yes to this meeting? I mean, time is money. In fact, most of the time, time is more valuable than money because I can make more money. I can go borrow money from the bank. I can ask my friend. I can get a loan. I mean, whatever, right? I I can make more money, but I can't make more time. 
So why did you? Why did we agree to spend an hour together today? What What was in it for you to spend this hour today? What problems are you trying to solve for? And that's where sometimes, right? That is sometimes the salesmanship, and that is, I don't know. Okay, that's interesting. You don't know why you took this call. So, all right. So, so here's the deal. I've talked to 100 agency owners in the last three months. Here are some of the common things that they've said to me. Can you let me know if any of these make any sense to you? And I go through and I share that. And I talk also about, okay, you know, if, if this one is something you suffer from, if this one is one of your challenges, how long has it been going on? Do you know? Do you have any way to quantify that cost for yourself? Oh, no, I just know it's been going on. Well, chances are that's not really a problem then. So I push a little harder, right? Why is that a problem? Why is that so important to you? What is If we solve this now, what would that enable you to do? Oh, I don't know. Okay, well, either A, they really don't know because they've never thought about it before, in which case we have another meeting and we come up with that, or they're not actually the decision maker. They're not the economic buyer. Because I'll tell you what, if you're a CEO, you know what's in the way between you and the goals, or you should, right? If you're, if you're the president of the company, if you're the, the head of your agency, you should know what's getting between you and your goals. So it could be, I don't have enough salespeople on my team. It could be that I don't have enough production people on my team. It could be that our website sucks. It could be that we don't have any marketing automation. It could be that our brand is, is tired. It, it, it looks like it's 1978. It could be that our sales team needs training. It could be that we have bad leadership. I mean, there's any number of things. It could be. But if you're the head of your organization, hopefully you've taken some time to think about that. Like, what's standing in the way? And you as a salesperson, you as the person having that conversation with that prospect, you need to uncover those reasons and you need to get in front of the right person. The person that actually is going to write the check and say, you know what? Brent, if you solve this problem, that would result, result in a half a million dollars more revenue for us. Oh, okay. So what would happen if you didn't get that half a million? What would happen if you didn't solve that problem? What would a half a million dollar, basically a loss of your business mean? And as a president, right, it could be, well, I'm working 90 hours a week and I haven't seen my kids in three months and my spouse is tired of me. Like if you continue this crazy workload, this is going to drive, you know, this is going to drive us to divorce. We're going to split up. Well, that's why I said, what else is in play in their life? I mean, right now, at this point in my life, I've got T-ball that I coach my little five-year-old Mondays and Wednesday nights. I am not taking meetings after five on Mondays and Wednesdays because T-ball starts at six. And I got to make sure that the kid's fed, that I'm fed, and that we're changing the, in, in the baseball clothes. So don't try to schedule a meeting at 5.15 on a Monday or Wednesday with me because that won't work. But that also means I don't have that time to dedicate. So I might be looking for more of an efficiency solution there. Because if I don't coach T-ball, I, I, my concern is I'm not going to be as connected with my five-year-old and he's going to grow up and, and miss me. And I don't want that to happen. And that absolutely impacts business. So long answer. Hopefully that helps though. Well, I had a couple other topics before we wrap today. One is stakeholders. You mentioned getting in front of the right person, which, uh, you know, we've all had the, in terms of building websites, doing marketing or whatever, you know, we've had like the, the businesses office manager or 
somebody who has no decision-making control, nothing against office managers, but somebody who's kind of lowering the organization, not the CEO or not the CMO or VP of marketing contact us and say, oh, can you get us a proposal? And I always, I know like what happens, right? Like they had a meeting and they said, oh, we should redo our website or logo, or we should get somebody to do Facebook ads. And somebody said, oh, well, can somebody in the room get some proposals? And, you know, Frank or Gina or whatever got, got the assignment and they went out there, they Googled, they emailed. And like in their mind, they're like, I just need to get proposals so the boss can make some decisions. And I think there's sometimes, you know, I mean, I've been able to try to, you know, serve that person and help them get to the stakeholder. Like sometimes that's easy. Like, Hey, there's a really good reason why we need to get the right stakeholders in the room. But I know that sometimes, man, it is hard, especially if you're talking about bigger companies, nonprofits or government where maybe they're driven by an RFP process, but getting the right people in the room is, is hard. And I'm sure there's books on this and classes and courses, but any kind of quick tips or things to say, or how to position to try to, you know, have one more tool in the belt to get the right people in the room? Sure. Well, that's where partnership helps, right? I want to help you get the right proposal. So let's make sure that you look really good. If I'm talking to the gatekeeper, right? If I'm talking to the office manager, if I'm not talking to the economic buyer, I want you to look really good. And I want to do this right by you. So perhaps even if we could just spend a few minutes with your boss to understand why is this important? Like, what's the urgency now? Because here's the thing. I know you got a million other things to do. You're probably chasing around, but I want to make sure we don't waste any of your precious time. So let's spend some time. If we could just get 15, 30 minutes in your boss's calendar to make answer just a few questions that probably are best not given out via email because I'm going to have follow-up questions and we don't want to waste time. Again, time is the valuable thing. Or if they tell you, hey, this, you know, this is critical because our business is brand new and we need a brand new website. Understanding, so what's the cost of that? Who's investing in this solution? It may not be anybody in the organization, right? It could be a silent partner. I worked, I worked with uh, with a co-working space where I thought I was working with the economic buyer and come to find out he didn't have any authority over anything. He had two silent partners that were funding the whole thing. He was just the idea guy. Oh, well, I'm busy pitching him. And I, I, I learned, what are you doing, dude? You're wasting your time. So I learned this by making the mistake myself, right? Do, you know, can you write me a check for this? The answer is no. Well, maybe we don't understand why. So let's let's partner up, right? Let's save you some time. Let's save you some headache. Let's, you know, I, I got it, right? Oh, I want a bunch of proposals. Well, I want to meet your needs. I don't just want to fling a proposal at you. And, and again, that's where we have to be willing to walk away. They're not going to play ball if they're not going to follow our process. They're not the best customer for us. And sometimes that pullback, it's not a sales tactic, but it is. And by that, I mean, I'm not doing it because I'm trying to be tricky. I'm doing it because, frankly, I can't really help you. So maybe we shouldn't work together. And then I shut up and I see what happens. There's an old sales saying of uh, he who talks first loses. And I, I always love coaching around that little last piece of not talking, right? I mean, whether it's asking a question and just letting some space hang whether it's asking for their business and 
shutting up, right? Or, you know, maybe it is saying, hey, maybe we're not a good fit and then not qualifying that, not, you know, trying to rescue that of, oh my gosh, what did I just say? Did I just push them away? Uh, but actually letting that kind of hang. And I think too, sometimes it's even leaving those meetings and, and, and walking away and then maybe they have time to think about it or maybe they go back to their boss and they say, oh, hey, this one company really wanted to meet with you. They wouldn't give us a proposal and, and maybe you kind of get that later. Yeah, and we have to give them reasons. Brent, we have to give them reasons though that are in their benefit, not ours, right? I, we can't say, well, this is our process and this is the way that it works because nobody gives a crap about your process. There has to be a benefit for your customer, right? So by following this process, we found that we save 31% of your time and 28% of your revenue because we actually do it the right way and this saves time and money. And you know what? It would be disrespectful of me to charge you more and to take more of your time. So it's really up to you. If you'd like to do this, that's great. And if not, that's great too. And then again, shut the heck up. Phil, it's been fun walking through your process, getting those. I always love talking to people that are into sales because you just get those questions. Some of the questions I've heard before, but maybe I got lazy or complacent, stopped using them, or you know, maybe I just kind of started getting busy and shortcutting my own process. So it's always wonderful to hear some of those questions, but also adding a few new ones to the repertoire to have those going into these conversations. So if uh, if you're out there as a listener, this is definitely one of those episodes you're going to want to bookmark and come back to and listen, because sometimes it's just listening to salespeople that are have been doing this for a while, that are, are seasoned pros, just listening to how they talk. Uh, a lot of times what you can do is just emulate that, practice that in the field, start trying some of this stuff on for yourself and making it work for you and your business. So Phil, this has been absolutely fantastic. Are you ready for our lightning round? Yeah, let's do it. What is the best advice you've ever received? Zig Ziglar said, if you help enough people get what they want, eventually you'll get what you want. And I believe that with all my heart. Bob Berg adapted that to be uh, in the go-giver, right? The more you give, the more you get back. It's about, you know, serving others, right? To sell is to serve. So all of that is the best advice I've ever received. Nice. I'm a big fan of, uh, I've got the five laws of stratospheric success handwritten up my wall uh, in a frame. So I'm a big fan of the uh, the go-giver. We'll make sure to link to that in our, our show notes. Big fan. Next question, which of your personal habits has contributed most to your success? My ability to follow up and be tenacious and to take no. So I make sure that I'm actually getting a no before I take the no. So if you ghost me, that's not a no. You tell me a no and it's just a brush off. That's not a no. Got to keep after it. Got to keep after it. Used to be eight in a date and now it's 12 to get love. That's my belief. <laughs> what's, uh, what's an internet resource, a tool or app that you use that you think our listeners will find valuable? My favorite tool is a bit of a secret weapon. It's called otter.ai, O-T-T-E-R.ai. It records in real time and transcribes in real time. So you get the MP3 and the transcription in real time. And also, if you, you can drag and drop MP3s or videos on it. And if you're a Zoom person, the transcription behind the scenes in Zoom, if you save to the cloud, is actually powered by otter.ai. So otter is absolutely the best tool. And if you're a crappy salesperson, meaning you need help with sales, it's a great tool to practice because you can set your phone down right next to you and record your half of the conversation 
so you can learn how to do better. It's my favorite marketing tool. It's my favorite sales tool. And it's my favorite meeting tool. And what book would you recommend and why? What book would I recommend and why? Well, I would say recently, I would recommend you read Inked by Jeb Blunt. The one of only two sales negotiation books available. Now, not just negotiation. I mean, if you want negotiation, read Chris Voss's stuff. That's fine. But I want sales negotiation. Really valuable stuff as you negotiate in sales. So Inked by Jeb Blunt is that book because it isn't really taught anywhere else. And I think it's super valuable. And negotiation is really the root of all sales. Awesome. We actually I had that in my show notes to come back to as a topic of negotiation. Uh, I knew we didn't have enough time to totally unpack that. So I love that you gave a book recommendation on that to dive deeper for our listeners on this topic around sales, uh, getting more value for your the work that you do, uh, getting better clients. So check that out. Uh, Inked, otter.ai. We also mentioned GoGiver and lots of other takeaways and other gold nuggets at our show notes at yougurus.com slash podcast. So if you're on a run or on the road or like me on your bike, check that out, yougurus.com slash podcast. You'll see Phil's episode right up there at the top if you're listening to this week of. Phil, how can our audience find out more about you? Is there anything that they that you have that they can check out? Sure. So I'd encourage folks to check out our process and results newsletter. Go to processandresults.com slash newsletter. We send out once a week just some helpful process or some helpful tactic that can help you build your business. Really important. We believe that process is the way to success. If you want repeatable, scalable success, that way you can nail it and you can scale it. Very cool. We'll add that link to process and results to our show notes. So if you're looking for all these great links, as well as uh, Phil's social media companies, all that good stuff, check out those show notes, yougurus.com forward slash podcast. Phil, thanks so much for stopping by the program today. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. And that's it for this week's episode of the Digital Agency Show. Stay tuned each and every week for more great content coming to you to help you grow your digital agency so you can achieve freedom in business and life. Until next time, I'm Brent Weaver. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And remember, if you want that free ebook on how to scale the multiple six and seven figures, all you got to do is DM me on Facebook the word gift at Brent Weaver, and I'll send you your guide on how to achieve freedom in your business and life. Until next time, I'm Brent Weaver. Oh,